0: We'll we
1: Well, amen. That's a great song. What a tremendous message that song has. Amen? That's good. Well, listen, I don't want you to fall asleep here. Got to wake you up. I feel like we're almost uh, kind of at a, a low point. I think in one sense it might be good, but I almost feel like we ought to go to an altar call about now. Those are some good songs. I mean, between what was going on there during the altar uh, during the uh, offering and then that song, man, I'll tell you what, just the messages in those two songs alone. I think it'd bring us right down to the altars and cause us to turn our hearts back to Him even more than ever. Well, tonight we're going to have—I've asked Brother Cavanaugh to speak for us tonight. I uh, want to. um, I think it's important that some of our young men get the opportunity—at least our staff, for sure—get the opportunity to preach from time to time, and I think it's important because they're not going to be here forever. Uh, Many of them, all of them, have had said that they're eventually going to pastor churches or uh, somehow go uh, full time somewhere else, and Again, that's not something we worry about. It's not something that we uh, fret about at all. That's a good thing. That's what God intends for churches to, you know, kind of grow this way, not just this way. And so that's a blessing, and we're excited about that. But I do think that it's important that they get an opportunity to kind of share what's on their heart a little bit. They put a lot of work into what goes on around here. They invest their lives equally with me and many of you that have invested your lives. I mean, just to the degree that, boy, you eat, sleep, and you drink it. You know what I mean? And, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, um, I think it's important that they have an opportunity to share what God puts on their heart as well. And I'll be honest with you, I believe we can learn from these young men. I mean, I believe that we can grow and we can be uh, uh, we can glean from them. And I'm excited because Brother Kavanaugh, of course, has proven himself to be faithful through the years. And, obviously, he's a good preacher, too. And uh, when I go away and uh, people preach, you know, whether it's uh, one of these guys, they all say, Boy, preacher, that was a really good message the other day. And you know what? I am glad to hear it. I'm thrilled to hear that. I hope every single person that walks out the door, Community Baptist Temple, that pastors a church, preaches better than me, teaches better than me, and has a bigger ministry than I've ever, ever had. That's really what I want. I'd love that. I'd be extremely pleased with that. And so I'm okay with that. This isn't a competition. Like we say all the time, we're on the same team. Amen? And we just want to see the world reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, Brother Cavanaugh is going to come, and uh, you open your ears, your heart, and let the Lord speak to you tonight. I know I will. Thank you. Thank you.
2: All right, I certainly am thankful for the opportunity to speak. And uh, as Pastor said, I, I, I love to preach. Um, I love the opportunity to share God's word. Um, it's an awe-inspiring opportunity. It's not something that I, I take lightly. I uh, My wife accuses me of shaking a lot. I don't know if I drink too much caffeine or what, um, but uh, I, I find myself shaking behind the pulpit, and um, it is a, a great privilege to do this. If you went to this evening this evening, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter ten, and um, look at a a single verse here in Ecclesiastes. And uh, this little different style, I guess, than what I'm typically used to or uh, presenting. Uh, but I want to just teach a little bit at the front end, and then uh, preach a little bit at the end. And uh, and so we're going to look at this one verse here, and uh, and then examine it a little bit, and then draw some application. Uh, this evening, I want to preach uh, a message uh, that I've entitled uh, entitled "Peculiar Parallels and Power and a Powerful Prescription." Peculiar parallels and a powerful prescription. Before we even read the Word of God this evening, uh, would you go ahead and bow your heads in prayer with me tonight? Father, Lord, we do thank you for this evening. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have to gather in this building that we call church. Lord, we know that that's the people, that's us, and we've gathered here tonight as the body of Christ because we want to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to remove my flesh from this process. Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit of God would have full control of my mind and my lips, and as I speak tonight, Lord, May you work through me. Lord, I pray that uh, this message would be an encouragement, and exhortation to the body of Christ, Lord, and that we would walk out of this building tonight desiring to walk closer to you uh, and desiring to do more for the kingdom of God. Uh, Lord, we do pray uh, that you would uh, bless this time. May you, honor, may you be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and uh, we're all familiar, I think, with the Ecclesiastes being a book uh, written by Solomon, and it contains much wisdom, uh, a lot of lessons learned the hard way in the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, and so Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, uh, there are some powerful, uh, power or peculiar parallels drawn. In Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, uh, would you do me a favor? Would you go ahead and read this with me? We'll read it together as a group, and it's just one verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and verse number one. Ready? Begin. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Dead flies of the of uh, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor, So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. A very peculiar verse and uh, peculiar parallels that are drawn in this verse. And uh, do we have a, a, a PowerPoint up there? Is that working? All right, there we go. All right, and um, I, w- I just want to uh, show some of these things. If we could dim, there's maybe some of these back lights. Could you do that for me, guys? Dim some of these back lights here. It's kind of hard to read. And I uh, want everyone to be able to see that all the way in the dark. We can turn these floodlights on, just leave these back off. But um, Peculiar parallels and powerful prescriptions. Uh, the the Word of God here, uh, it, it, it draws our attention. It said, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth... A stinking savor. There we go. All right. And um, and so the first uh, parallel that's drawn um, is ointment. And uh, and I want to examine I want to examine this ointment a little bit as we draw these parallels. OK. And so we see ointment. Um, ointment has a very specific purpose. OK. It's important for us to understand. Ointment has a very specific purpose purpose uh the apothecary was uh, a pharmacist okay and so the the, the pharmacist would produce uh, ointments these ointments would have a very specific purpose uh, a balm for infection something to keep a wo- uh, to cleanse a wound uh they were they were they were used for very uh individual purposes okay specific and it's important to understand that uh some ointments were used for anointing dead bodies and some were used to cure illnesses all right and so ointments very specific purpose Ointments must be kept clean to be effective. Uh, If uh, if an ointment became contaminated, uh, it would be no good. Okay, and uh, and so it's important to understand that if a compound had been compromised, it would no longer do its intended purpose. So it has a uh, it must be kept clean in order to be effective. Ointment ointment will soon begin to stink if left uncovered. We see that in our verse here that the dead flies now they weren't dead when they got in there. Alright, but when those dead flies got into the ointment, they caused that ointment to stink. Alright, obviously at that point, uh, rendering it ineffective and no good. Alright, so it'll soon begin to stink when left uncovered. The peculiar parallel here is that it is very similar to a Christian's life. A Christian's life has a specific purpose. A very specific purpose. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 20 says you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. We have a very specific purpose in life. God has given us purpose. He redeemed us for a purpose and he left us with instruction on what we are to do. Obviously glorify God. That's why we were created, but then left us with instructions of reaching the world, continuing His job, what he when he left, he left us with his job to spread the gospel, all right? And so we have a very specific purpose. We must be kept clean in order to be effective. Just like ointment, we must be kept clean in order to be effective. 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse number 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Meat. Usable. Can be used. Available. For the Master's use. So, Christians must be kept clean in order to be effective. You want to be used by God? I want to be used by God. I'm assuming most of you or all of you want to be used by God. We must be kept clean in order to be effective. And then also, we'll soon begin to stink if left uncovered. It's very clear in the Bible uh, that our hearts are to be guarded. And when our hearts are not guarded, filth begins, begins to come out. Uh, Proverbs tells us in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23, To keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. But if you continue to read the next verses that aren't as common, it says, Put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. And God gives us a very specific set of instructions on how we are to make sure we keep ourselves covered in our actions and what we say and what we allow through our eyes. Uh, Because if we don't protect those things, if we allow them to be uncovered, unguarded, if you will, we begin to stink as Christians. Our lives begin to stink. So we see the peculiar parallel of the ointment Versus the Christian's life. But there is another uh, parallel in this passage. And that is uh, the flies. Flies are disgusting creatures. But allow me to draw some parallels uh, with the flies. First of all, the flies are majorly underestimated. Flies are majorly underestimated. I know they're considered an annoyance, but usually nothing more really than an annoyance. Uh, by the end of tonight, they will be considered more than an annoyance. I can guarantee that. But as of now, more than annoyance. Uh, never invited to the picnic, but they always show up. Okay, and uh, and so they're they're but they're majorly underestimated. Uh, for the most part, we don't prepare for the flies when we go to the picnic. Uh, not all the time. Okay, and uh, and so majorly underestimated. Just a fly. It's just a fly. Tiny little insect. Flies. Only live a short life and have major reproduction. A uh, lifespan of a fly is 28 days. Maximum lifespan. If it's in my house, it's less than that. Alright? Average lifespan in the Capitol House, 2.5 minutes. Alright? But, uh, have you seen those salt shaker shotguns? You load them up with salt, rock salt, and you cock those things and you can shoot flies with them. It's a, it's a fly swatter gun. I need to get one of those. Alright? And, um maybe I'll shoot my kids every once in a while. I'll keep them in order, too. Digest, okay? Maybe. Um, They only live a short life before they reproduce themselves, majorly reproduce themselves. 28 days. A female will lay anywhere from 150 to 500 eggs every three to four days of her life. Every three to four days of her life. I didn't do the math on that, but that's a lot of eggs. Flies only live a short life, and there's major reproduction. Flies compromise purity. Flies compromise purity. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, flies don't have teeth. Uh, they don't eat the same way that you and I do. No, oh, they eat. Don't get me wrong. But the way that they eat is they regurgitate digestive enzymes onto their food. And, they allow, and then they swirl it around with their little beaky tongues. And then they slurp it back up like a milkshake. All right. So the way that a fly eats is every time he lands on your food and they do this, anytime they land on food, they are immediately throwing up on your food. All right. And uh, and making a little milkshake out of it and drinking it back up. Okay, I would say that that is compromised purity. Now, if that's not enough, uh, let me elaborate a little bit more on how a fly functions because he's constantly regurgitating the enzymes in order to eat, they're very, uh, prop, uh, they have a propensity to become dehydrated. So they have to constantly be drinking. Anyone who has to drink a lot is well aware of the consequences of drinking a lot. <laughs> There's things. They can't do those things in flight. So they do it when they land. And almost every time they land, according to the science. And so not only is a fly regurgitating on your food, they are defecating on it at the same time. I would say that that is compromised purity. If a fly lands on your burger, just go ahead and throw it away. All right? They compromise purity. All right, but flies also, uh, uh, left unhindered, it got cut off there, I'm sorry about that, but left unhindered always has consequences. Flies left unhindered will always have consequences. You remember those 150 to 500 eggs in three to f- five days, three to four days? Imagine if you weren't killing the flies that were in your home. There would be some major... You would be infested. There would be an infestation of flies in your home, all right? Um, I recall a trip to Egypt and being in a little town that was called Elmira, Egypt. And I was over there with Brother Runyon and we were doing a little bit of a mission trip. And we were back, uh, way back in uh, off of the Nile... Uh, where big farming communities, but they were just desolate farming communities they, uh, they had no it was it was poor it was dirt poor and uh, we went to a church service and and uh, and I recall um, the amount of flies in that place. Uh, they were so common to these people the fly so common and so unhindered. Um, I watched in disgust um, as a little boy sat there intent on the preacher, praise the Lord for that. For the whole service, his face was covered with flies. Never once did he swat them away. I mean, right up, they were just all over. I mean, no lie, there was a a dozen flies on his face. The whole service never once even swatted a fly away. Uh, Flies left unhindered will have major consequences, okay? Uh, Flies in parallel with folly. Folly in a Christian's life is majorly underestimated, majorly underestimated. Uh, Let me say this evening that folly, by by definition, is a weak or absurd act, not highly criminal, an act which is inconsistent with the dictates of reason, maybe just a little bit unreasonable but not crazy, or with the ordinary rules of precedence or prudence. It's not highly illegal. It may just be questionable. Depends on how you see it. But I believe that God has a a more defined line of folly. And folly in our lives is majorly underestimated. And we'll see that as we look into this scripture. We see it uh, here in the Bible as well. Because in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 21 it says, Folly is joy to him that is destitute of wisdom. The opposite. The opposite of wisdom is folly. That alone right there, that one scripture alone defines for us that folly is a pretty wicked animal. But yet, it's majorly underestimated in our lives. It's just a little folly. Just a little folly. As the sluggard in Proverbs, just a a little folding of the hands to sleep. So comes poverty. So comes destruction. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 13 says, Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. Antithesis. They are complete opposite, wisdom and folly, majorly underestimated. Also, folly, it only lives a short life before it reproduces itself. It only lives a short life before it reproduces itself. You, you do understand that sin is fun, but for a season. And sin, while it's enjoyed for that season, must progress. And so, uh, left unchecked, we'll only live a short life, uh, but will reproduce itself in other areas of our lives. As a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. The Bible is very clear that folly is not something that should be tolerated. But folly, like flies, compromises purity. Sure, it's not the incredibly illegal sin. It's not something we would look at and obviously all be able to point a finger to, maybe. But it compromises our purity. As a believer, just a little bit compromises our purity. You look at David. Now There are different uh, levels of folly in the Bible, but uh, what David did with Bathsheba, the Bible calls folly. Because David didn't intend to commit adultery with Bathsheba. David wasn't at war when he was supposed to be there. It was folly. Not a huge illegal thing, but he wasn't in the right place. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so that little bit of folly for him was walking out onto the porch of his roof and seeing a woman bathing. Again, not highly illegal, but compromise the purity in his life. Psalm chapter 38 is a psalm of remembrance of David talking about his sin and he, he expresses how filthy he feels. He says, There is no soundness, soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head as in heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt of my foolishness. A little bit of folly. Just a little bit. Folly compromises purity. But also, left unhindered... Always has consequences. Folly left unhindered always has consequences. Uh, consequences. Proverbs chapter twenty-two and verse number three uh, says, "A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, uh, but the simple pass on and are punished." So, uh, if, if you're if you're uh, allowing yourselves to continue on uh, in folly, you're not being prudent. You're not walking circumspectly. Uh, you, there will be consequences. Left unhindered always has consequences. Always has consequences. There are two men in the in the Word of God besides David uh, that committed folly, and and you're probably familiar with both of them. Let me just touch on them uh, just for a moment here. Uh, both in the Old Testament, there is Shechem. All right, Shechem uh, did defile. The Bible says he defiled Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. Genesis chapter 34 talks about how uh, uh, Dinah went out. Shechem saw her, took her, defiled her then realizes what he did was wrong, goes to Jacob and says, Jacob, let me marry your daughter. I'm in love with her. Dinah's brothers come back. They connive a story. Okay, Shechem, you can go ahead and marry our daughter, but all of the men of your town have to be circumcised. After the circumcision, then we'll commence with the marriage. Uh, When all the men were sore, the Bible said, from the circumcision, uh, it says that uh, Jacob's two sons went in and slaughtered all of them. Folly. The Bible says that Shechem committed folly. He allowed himself to see something that he wanted and would not put it in check. And because he left it unchecked, a little folly in Shechem's life cost his whole town, every single man, their lives. There's one other man in the Old Testament that committed a little bit of folly. And it says that Achan committed folly. Joshua chapter seven talks about the story of Achan, how he hid the the goodly Babylonian garments and the pieces of silver and buried them under his tent. Uh, Just small things, nothing great. But it was a little bit of folly that he brought into his home and he allowed it to stay there thinking there would be no consequences thinking he could outlive uh, God's uh, judgment or outlive uh, God's perception and yet it cost the children of Israel a battle in which um, uh, several hundred men were killed and then it cost his family, his entire family, their lives stoned with stones, burnt with fire. I would say that the Bible is very clear that Folly left unhindered always uh, always has consequences. Always has consequences. I want to talk tonight, I want to present the message. There's the, the teaching part of it, if you will. And I, really quickly, I'm going to touch on just a couple things here. But I believe that there are some great follies left unhindered in Christianity today. Uh, follies that uh, we need to make sure that we have in check. And I'm just going to, again, I'm going to uh, get through what I think are some of these follies and I'll allow you to think of maybe any folly you have in your life or evaluate yourself for folly. And then we'll give the prescription from the heavenly apothecary on how to deal with folly. But I believe in no particular order some of the greatest follies left unhindered in Christianity today is spiritual laziness, secular media and sanctified separation spiritual laziness secular media and sanctified separation these three areas of our lives left unhindered Uh, they're they're just little things they're not great they're not highly illegal Uh, they're not necessarily uh, wrong and you say spiritual laziness well that's very illegal (laughs) that's very wrong Uh, but I'm talking about that you just neglected one morning your walk with God it's a little bit of folly in our lives we don't view it it's uh, do you remember that it's majorly underestimated uh, that's what we talked about the parallel between uh, the flies and between folly uh, is that it's majorly majorly end, uh, underestimated why is spiritual laziness one of the greatest follies in our lives because it's majorly underestimated the laziness of the christian life where we can become inactive in service where we can feel justified in sitting back and enjoying our lives for our our personal pleasure when we are given a purpose. When we have a greater and higher calling in our lives. It's majorly underestimated the laziness within our own lives. And let me tell you uh, that this message is not a message given uh, just for you because the message was given to me first. God must have known that I needed to hear it first. Because laziness creeps in so subtly. Laziness in the Christian lives. I'm not saying that you have no walk with God. I'm not saying that you don't attempt to walk with God. I'm just saying that there's areas of weakness. This area of weakness is not addressed as much as it should be. It is not corrected and dealt with the way that it would be if we understood how destructive it actually is. Now we understand how disgusting a fly is. Are you going to tolerate it on your burger? Are you going to tolerate it on your french fry? Are you going to pick it up after it's regurgitated uh, on your french fry? Are you going to pick it up after it's uh, done its business on your french fry and put it into your mouth? I I sure hope not because you understand what it's actually done, how it's compromised the purity and how it's affected uh, that food. But spiritual laziness is very similar. Creeps in. It's just like the fly. Majorly underestimated. But you know the thing about laziness is it only lives a short time before it reproduces itself. Only lives a short time before it reproduces itself. A little laziness today, a lot more laziness tomorrow. And I remember my dad, as a, as a young person, nailing me on lazy. Nailing me. Anyone that knows me personally now might say that I'm borderline workaholic. I remember as a child, my dad, you're being lazy. Those those words, I remember them ringing in my ears. Son, don't be lazy. That's the lazy way to do that job. You're not going to do it this way. This is not the way we work. This is not the way we get things done. This is not going to be tolerated. I'm not going to allow this to happen. This is wrong. It's going to be corrected in your life. And I'll tell you right now that I hated every single time my dad called me lazy. I hated it. I did not want that reputation, but I knew I was guilty. And you know what? When God reached down and smacked me with this as I was studying and said, lazy, spiritual laziness, I did not want to hear it. But it's majorly underestimated. And it only lives a short time before it reproduces itself. Go ahead, get in the habit of tuning into live stream on Sunday nights because it's a little more convenient. Go ahead. See where it ends you. It'll end you with live streaming Sunday morning. And it'll end you with not live streaming at all. And then one service, the live stream won't work because it's internet based. And whatever it is, and it's not going to work. And then you no church at all. Miss one morning of your personal walk with God. Where does it end yourself? It builds, it builds, it builds because it reproduces itself. Uh, Left uncounted for in a Christian's life, uh, spiritual laziness compromises your purity. It causes you not to be right with God because you can't be right with God unless you're walking with God. And you can't resist temptation unless you're in a relationship with Him. And so your purity is compromised. Spiritual laziness left unaccounted for compromises your purity. Spiritual laziness left uncorrected causes consequences. Lack of power. Lack of effectiveness. Lack of being used. No longer meet... For the master's use. Spiritual laziness. I mean, how, how, how horrible is that phrase if it were to be said of a Christian, no longer meat for the master's use. You're no good to me, Steve. I can't use you anymore. Because I let some spiritual laziness creep in my life. Secular media. Secular media is majorly underestimated. Let me tell you right now. Again, we're not going to want to hear these things necessarily, but social media, the internet, TV, movies, television, uh the YouTube and and SoundCloud and and any other source of entertainment, Hulu and Netflix and uh you know whatever you're watching, whatever you're on, you look at all these sources of secular media, it is majorly underestimated in our life the destructive nature of allowing the world to interject it's moral, its morality, it's uh, humanistic viewpoints, it's filth, it's garbage, it's destruction right into our homes, into the palm of our hands, into the tablets, into the faces of our young people. As I sit in offices and I sit in public places and I walk through a grocery store and I see four-year-olds engrossed in television shows, they can't separate themselves from it them, uh, in their daily life. And, and you say, well, you know, it's just a little bit. I just need, I just have a little bit of entertainment in my life. It's just a little bit of these shows It's a little bit of social media It's a little bit of internet Uh, But that's not how it works It's majorly underestimated I'm telling you tonight, folks That it's not our friend It's not You see, the thing about social media Internet, TV, movies, etc Go ahead and fill in the blank It only needs a short time before it reproduces itself Go ahead, start spending a little bit of time on YouTube and you'll be spending a little bit more. You'll get the recommended videos on the right-hand side. Click one. Now you're in the next and the next and the next and the next. And three hours and 37 minutes later, you've watched 14 videos about nothing. And uh, you don't know what the point of that was, okay? And uh, and so, uh, YouTube, that's personal experience speaking. All right? Uh, I, I've learned a lot from YouTube. I'm thankful for it. I've, I've learned a lot from it. But I've wasted a lot of time on there, too. Television. Internet. Social media. A little bit of social media. Yeah. Lives a short time in your life before it reproduces, reproduces, reproduces. I'm just going to check it here. I only check it when I'm waiting in a line that I would normally not be doing anything else. So I'm not really wasting time. And then before you know it, you're sitting at home uh, for an hour and a half every night uh, doing the... the... It's, I'm telling you, it's ridiculously underestimated and it only needs a little stronghold in your life before it reproduces itself in another area. Secular media, we have got to be careful. Left unaccounted for, it compromises purity every single time. Do you realize that 28% of social media users will be exposed to pornography without even trying? Almost 30% of social media users will be exposed to pornography without even trying. Tell me it's not dangerous. Tell me it's not going to suck people in. Tell me, left unaccounted for, it will not compromise your purity. I will tell you right now, you are lying to yourself. Left unaccounted for will compromise purity over and over again. If you sit at home and you watch television for any extended period of time, you will find yourself in a predicament of, should I turn this off or should I let it go? If you're honest with yourself, again, this is, this is testimony. It's a testimony. Left uncorrected, it will cause major consequences. You just leave it there. Don't get it in check. How many of your children are you going to sacrifice to the God of entertainment before we realize it's danger? It has consequences. It's robbing the church of power. I'm convinced of it. It's robbing the church of the power that it needs to reach the world that we're in today. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. He has his devices. He knows the way that he can do it. And he's going to rob the church of its power because he hates us. And he hates the gospel. And he doesn't want it to be spread. He doesn't want people to be saved. And although we are redeemed and we have accepted Christ as our Savior and we sit here tonight justified and on our way to heaven, he doesn't want us to reproduce ourselves in this world. So how can he do it? Well, he can do it by sneaking his way in through that secular media and Robbing the church of its power has consequences, left uncorrected consequences. The other last thing tonight was sanctified separation. Sanctified separation, what is that? What does that even mean? Sanctified separation. It's separation for a specific purpose. Sanctified is set apart. Separated. We from this world are sanctified and separated. This is one of the things in Christianity today that is majorly underestimated. We can do it all together. Same God. Let's have a prayer meeting down at the park. The center park. We'll invite all of the churches in our community. The Muslims can come. The Catholics can come. The, the Methodists can come. And they all can come. And we can all come down there and we can pray. Who are we praying to? Thirteen different gods? Is there not one God? Is there not one way to heaven? Oh, yes, there is. Uh, but we feel like we can have personal friends who are Christians and be all right with it. We feel like Pastor was talking about the other day. It's so true. How can I have an unsaved friend? How can I allow them to influence? How can I invite that influence in my life? Oh, I know they say that they're Christians because everybody says that they're Christians. That's how it goes. Everybody does. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Well, great. Where's the fruit in your life and how is it affecting the fruit in my life? And is iron sharpening iron? Because that's how it should be. But there's no sanctified separation. If it looks like a duck and smells like a duck and uh, waddles like a duck, uh, then it's a duck. And if it looks like the world and smells like the world and talks like the world, then it's the world. That's, that's how it is. It's that simple. It's not complicated. Sanctified separation, but it's majorly underestimated. We just, you know, we can do this together. We need unity in the church and unity between churches and unity in our community. And don't get me wrong. God is for unity and I'm for unity within the body of Christ. That's how it works. He wants us to be united. But it's majorly underestimated. And sanctified separation, it only oftentimes lives a short period in our lives, uh, a lack of separation, I'm sorry, lack of separation, we just say, well, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't feel that like this area is so important anymore. And as you begin to pull away in separation, it reproduces itself. I guarantee you, the progression that I have seen over the last 10, 12 years in ministry, I, out like Bible College, is churches uh, begin to change music. But it never stops there. You're right, amen. Then they begin to change the way that they dress and appear. It progresses. And then they change this. It always progresses. Every single time. It always progresses. I remember growing up in a church. My parents had to eventually pull us away from the church. Why? Because there was change, there were things that had happened. Just a little bit of change, a little bit of migration takes you a long way. Uh, uh, Point a gun as straight as you possibly can in the air and shoot a bullet up. Now, I'm not saying do that, but I'm saying if you were to do that, okay? That bullet just a centimeter off at this level, the trajectory, a thousand feet in the air, is feet, is feet off. When you change a little bit in our lives of what we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be sanctified and separated in this world, we change a little bit. We say it's not that big of a deal. And I'll tell you right now, a little bit of it reproduces itself over and over again. Left unaccounted for, it compromises our purity because soon we feel like we can just involve it all in our lives. And it's not that big a deal. God's a God of grace, and praise the Lord he is. Amen. Grace is not the license to do what we want to. Grace is the, the ability to do what we should. Left uncompromised, uh, it, unaccounted for, compromises our purity, and left uncorrected causes consequences. And when I've already said it: the power of the church. A little bit, of, a little bit of lack of separation soon spreads, and soon we see a church today where we have bigger churches, gigantic churches, churches that are bigger than they've ever been before. But no power in our community. No impact as a result of it. I mean, you talk about Billy Sunday blowing into a into a community with the power of God on his life and the results are bars are shut down. They lose their business. They lose their business because he says, we've got to draw a line. The Christian and alcohol doesn't mix. It doesn't work. And so he draws the line and we see the effect where people say, okay, I'm on board with this. This is right. This is sanctified separation. I need it in my life and there's an effect the power of God working through these people left uncorrected causes consequences all right so we see those little those couple areas there that I bring up there are many other areas but while all of this is Good information, I believe, in, in, in and a biblical exhortation to make sure we don't have folly in our lives. Uh, it is worthless without a prescription to avoid folly in our lives from our heavenly apothecary. We have a great physician, and he's got a cure, and he will help us to avoid folly in our lives. And I'm going to give it to you, and it's going to be super quick. Write them down. First of all, if we are going to avoid folly in our lives, you must live prudently. You must live Prudently. What is prudence? Prudence is an adjective. It means to be cautious, circumspect, or practically wise. Practically wise. Prudence is the practical implementation of wisdom in our lives. Where we see things from God's point of view, and we choose to apply them in our daily living. That is prudence. Circumspectly. Alright, is that folly? Is this folly? Checking. Evaluating. It's Circumspectly is not walking through life. Eyes in front of you, circumspectly is checking your footing, checking your surrounding, checking above you, checking behind you. It's checking everything around you. Is there something here that could harm me? And it may just be a fly. Just a fly. I mean, isn't that how we hunt flies, by the way? At least that's how I, okay, I got the rat tail, I see the fly, I got the rat tail, I can't find the stinking fly swatter. Who can ever find a fly swatter when you need one? And so I got the rat tail, and, and I'm, where's that stinking fly at? Caitlin, did you see the fly? Lincoln, where's the fly? There's a, you know? Well, that's, how we, that's how we hunt the flies, and that's how the Christian life needs to be lived. We want to avoid folly. We've got to walk circumspectly. Tearing it up. Is there anything around me? Maybe a little fly that could hurt me. And so here's some practical wisdom to to avoid folly. First thing, comprehend the dangers of folly. Got to understand it. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth up all his folly. Got to understand that. We got to comprehend the dangers of folly. Just the little things. And maybe it's the follies that I mentioned tonight. Maybe it's social media, maybe it's the internet, maybe it's uh, uh, you know our, our worldly secular media. Maybe it's laziness in our Christian lives. Uh, it could be different for you. Again, I was just being transparent. Those areas are weaknesses for me. Maybe they're weaknesses for you as well. But do you have some of your own folly, maybe? Some things that you allow in. That's not highly illegal. Just a little folly. Something that's underestimated and compromising your power. Comprehend the dangers. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. So the prudent man, he learns, okay, there's something that's there's wrong here. There's something going on that's wrong. He learns. He deals with the knowledge. But a fool layeth up his folly. It's not that big a deal. You know what laying up your folly is? Laying up your folly is listening to message after message after message with no application in your personal life. If you can sit in three services a week preached by our pastor and make no personal application or have personal growth in your life, you're laying up folly in your life. I'll guarantee it right now. I guarantee it. You are not making application of wisdom. Comprehend the dangers of folly. You've got to comprehend the dangers. It is going to destroy. Like the fly, it is corrupting. It is regurgitating. It is defecating in your life if you allow folly to stay there. Comprehend how dangerous it is. Just to skip back to to internet and things like that. Parents. I've heard parents say, it's not that big a deal. Or, I'm keeping an eye on it. They're they're not really into that stuff yet, so I don't have to worry. We've got to comprehend danger. You've got to foresee the evil and hide yourself. The simple will pass on and are punished. The second thing is you've got to confess your deceitful heart. Let me tell you right now, if you're going to deal with folly, you've got to understand that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You've got to deal honestly with yourself about what folly is in your life. What's the folly? oftentimes we don't want to deal with the folly because it's not highly illegal. And we'll let it go on and on and on and reproduce itself over and over and over and over again. But we've got to deal with it. So you've got to confess your deceitful heart, God. My heart is desperately wicked. I don't even know it. I understand that I don't even know my own heart. But God, search me, O oh, pray. I pray. Know my heart. Uh, Try me. And know my thoughts. God, will you see if there's any wicked way in me? What a powerful prayer prayed by David. Search me. God, search me. Is there something? God, I desire to have cleanliness in my life. I desire to have power in my life. Will you reveal to me these follies? These things that shouldn't be there. Confess your deceitful heart. Finally tonight, commit to him directing your path. If you want to avoid folly, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. In all thy ways acknowledge him. You want to avoid folly in your life? You've got to commit to him directing your path. There's gotta be a fervor and a consistency in Him laying down the next step of navigation for your Christian life. How many times do you look over at the GPS screen when you're on a trip going somewhere you don't know where? I mean, it used to be the map. I mean, I remember all those arguments my parents had over stinking maps when I was a kid. How many of you, you remember any of those? Why not you looking at, why did I miss my accident? It's your fault. You're the navigator. Great memories. Now we have GPSs, all right, and we're all cussing our GPS because it's taking us off course and the wrong way and making U-turns and we don't know why. Uh, we're having arguments with our technology now, um, but it, so it's, it's helping marriages—arguments um, at the technology instead of with you know each other. But uh, no, you consult the GPS, constantly checking. At least that's me. Is my turn coming up? Even if I know my turn's off for another 20 miles, I, I'm still glancing over there. Is it coming up? Am I getting there? I'm almost there. I turn the, this volume down because so I don't like to, to listen to that thing talk to me the whole time. And so I turn the volume all the way down and, uh, and so I'm constantly checking it. Okay, what's my next step? What's my next step? What's my next step? What's my next step? And that's how we've got to live our Christian lives. Can you imagine how destitute of direction so many Christians are because they don't, they don't consult the map every day of their lives? I mean, how can we expect anybody to know which way to go? How can you expect to know which way to go? If you're not checking it out every day. I mean, it's really that simple. And avoid this or neglect this, and you'll find yourself mixed up in folly. You'll find yourself like David out on the roof when he should have been at war. You'll find yourself like Achan, burying silver in the Babylonian garment under his tent. You'll find yourself like Shechem, allowing the lust of his eyes to corrupt The purity of his life. And caused the destruction of his whole community. Because a little bit of folly. And as we read to begin this evening. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savour. So doth a little folly. So doth a little folly. Him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. The admonition tonight is if folly is there, obviously, it needs to be corrected and removed. If it's not there, avoid it. Avoid it with the prescription from our heavenly apothecary. He's given us the cure. He'll help us. If we follow these things. I'm telling you, it'll limit the folly in your life. And we need that. Is Christianity winning in this world we're in today? I mean, are we winning? Winning the fight for the souls of our youth? I mean, where are we at? I think for the most part, we are losing more ground than we are gaining. And I think that's in great part to the amount of folly that's in the Christian's life, where we're being robbed of Holy Spirit power. And so we just need to put it in check. We need to put it in check. Comprehend the dangers, confess our deceitful hearts, and commit to Him directing our paths. I have no doubt that everyone in this room tonight, at least I would hope, that everyone in this room tonight would say, hey, you know what, I want to be used more of God. I want Him to have complete control of me. I want to allow Him to work through me. And uh, and so let's take the practical wisdom. Let's take the prudence and make application in our lives. Let's start living prudent Christian lives. Well, Lord, we do thank you for this evening, and Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the truths that are taught in it, and uh, Lord, how it makes us to become better Christians. Lord, if we'll simply take them and apply them to our lives. And Lord, the word of God has been lifted up tonight. Lord, we, I pray again that you were honored through all that was said and done.